January 14, 2021. It's the Watt for Pedro Show. <laughs>
Thank you. Let me tell you, it's a great honor to be in this stream, incredible stream, this list of people that just rolls on and on and on for 10 years. Wow. Yeah, 10. Well, <laughs> more than that. Uh, happy uh, Thursday, people. Uh, uh, you can tell I'm not man alone, even though Brother Matt stood up to Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point because we're in quite quarantino mode. I should say uh, we started off the show with John Coltrane with Eric Dolphy in Helsinki Live, 1961, doing I Want to Talk About You, which has a lot to do with me not being man alone because those incredible software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention. I got Mr. Bob Marsh with me. Hey, Bob. Hey. Welcome aboard. Well, I'm, I'm really glad to get to talk to you. You're talking to me from Colorado, right? Yes, from El Pueblo, Kisiyama Pueblo, the town that calls itself town. So that's, <laughs> that's right. In the south on I-25, right? 
Right. Yeah, I got I got to play there only once in my life, so I got to do another gig there. Maybe one day oh, with fine. you. That would be bitching. That would be bitching. So look, I want to uh, enlighten the listeners to your musical journey. Can you tell me your earliest musical recollection? I so, I, I forgot um, to tell the people that we uh, after uh, John Coltrane and Eric Dolphy, we also. Also, uh, Reggie Merkwin was on the bass, and McCoy Tyner and Ellen Jones goes. But we heard double force from double double quartet. So, yeah, to get back my question, your earliest musical recollection, please. Maybe I was four or five, hunkered down on the ground like only a four or five year old can do, because I haven't been able to do it. I created an instrument, my first instrument, which was a xylophone, which is namely the voice of the wood, which is one stick across this kind of depression in the ground, playing it with two other sticks in this little pattern, dunk, 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 dunk. And it would create a song that only had one word and one note. And it was chow, 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 chow. And it was sort of a shamanic song directed to the fierce, incredible looking to a four-year-old chow dog uh, on the other side of a fence on the other side of this vacant lot. This dog was legendary, fierce, would eat children, etc. So I was doing the shamanic singing, chow, 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 chow. And the dog was looking at me, just looking at me and looking at me. And the last time, you know, it was one of those infinite times and a, a luminous memory. So that was my first experience, and it took me many, many years to get back to that kind of innocence and freedom. <laughs> yeah. And where was this, Bob? That was in Detroit. Okay. Which part? Uh, like, the, what's it called, the Eight Mile Road or something? <laughs> no, on the other side of town. It was okay. on northwest Detroit. Uh, actually, by Five Mile Road, which would be Fankel there, so on the northwest to Detroit. Okay, okay. But not when I, I got a buddy in Fraser, uh, Burb out there, and the yeah, north, yeah. north part, and uh, so I know a little bit about it. It's an incredible town. Uh, Pontiac is where Ellen Jones was from, and so Thad Jones, Hank Jones. And, uh, the pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments besides sticks in the yard? Uh, my family, my parents were... Uh, of the Montavani and Lawrence Welk ilk. And uh, uh, my brother, who was three and a half years older than me, was sort of my, my role model. And I followed him into doing plays. And he had a 12 string guitar. And uh, maybe as a, as a teenager, uh, maybe the eighth grade or high, early high school, I would play on it with the drumsticks. Maybe I had a pair of bongos and I would play on his 12-string uh, guitar with these uh, drumsticks just laying down there, and I really loved it. So it's yeah, it was very avant-garde right then. Wow. But my brother couldn't stand it, so he taught me my first <laughs> chords on the guitar, and uh, my fingers never recovered since then. An old Stella 12-string, and uh, uh, but it, well, you know, <laughs> it's an imperfect chord. So. Uh, I'm curious about school. Were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that? Uh, I always had a lot of trouble with trying to get connected with music. Uh, and uh, no, I was not in a choir or marching band. In, in high school, uh, so I went to Catholic school, so the arts were kind of uh, on the uh, uh, 
that was a hobby or some shit like that. You know? <laughs> and uh, uh, in high school, I decided to go to the band room. I wanted an instrument and I wanted to play trumpet because Miles Davis was my hero. Yeah. And I had listened to uh, Kind of Blue uh, like 10,000 times at least. <laughs> and I wanted to be cool. I wanted to play the trumpet like Miles Davis. And uh, and they said my embouchure was not correct. And they gave me a fucking clarinet, which <laughs> me meant Pete Fountain on Lawrence Welk show. <laughs> <laughs> the licorice stick. So I took it home and I took it back in a couple weeks and said, no, thanks. And I went to a private music school. And they didn't care what my embouchure was, as long as I paid for lessons. So they gave me a trumpet, and I started to play that, and uh, never got too far with it. But uh, uh, I still had this passion, and I tried taking different kinds of music lessons, like uh, at uh, when I was like a senior in high school or a uh, junior. Something like that. I went to Mexico on a summer exchange program. So since I was going to Mexico, I wanted to learn to play guitar. So I took some lessons, and they were really, the guy was pretty drunk and uh, <laughs> most of the time. And I didn't want to play guitar like that. Well, what about what about your brother's lessons? Well, he was the became the head of the Detroit Folklore Society. So I did play guitar finally, and I. Uh, went to these hootenannies and would play Michael Rowe, The Boat Ashore, <laughs> and, and that stuff. And and I said to myself one day, they said, well, it says this is a flatted seventh. What does a non-flatted seventh look like? And I figured it out <laughs> on the guitar. I played a major seventh chord, and I said, holy shit, they've been keeping this from me. <laughs> and uh, so then I moved more into jazz. Uh, and then later I began to collect more instruments. I started to play flute and I started to uh, play, gather various types of flutes, recorders and fipples and non-fipple flutes and vessel flutes and uh, to visit some friends. And I came back to Detroit with a desire to return to San Francisco and I came back with a sitar. So I began to play uh, sitar. And for a while, for maybe two or three years, I uh, listened to exclusively to Indian music. So before I got the sitar, I was playing ragas on the guitar, uh, open tuning ragas. And so that was the thing for me was uh, ragas. And I played sitar for a while. And uh, then I moved out to California, to San Francisco, to go to the San Francisco Art Institute and uh, uh, dropped a couple of my classes at sculpture and drawing. And then uh, found the Acoma Music Store in, store in, in downtown San Francisco and working for a sign company. I go by there every day and there was this four octave marimba in the window and I just fell in love with it. So I rented it <laughs> and played marimba for a while. Then I decided I need to play vibraphone and uh, uh, bought this, paid a hundred dollars down on this big Deegan 1000. It looked like a fucking 1954 Cadillac or something. <laughs> Three cases. It took two people to carry. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And and then they called me up and said, oh, man, I can't sell you that X. This guy is coming. It was on consignment for this guy in Arizona. And he's coming. He's got a gig. He got, Listen, if you come in, I'll give you a music for one nighter. One, uh, one and for, for the $100 you paid. And, and that's, uh, uh, you know, and some mallets and... 
And, you know, okay, so I went that, so I got the uh, Muser one-nighter, which actually I could pack up and carry by myself. Okay. Uh, and I carried it all across country several times, and I played the vibes for a long time, and I played piano, and I played, finally I got the saxophones, I got everything I wanted. And, and when you moved back to California in 2000, uh, uh, my living room looked like a music store. <laughs> You could get anything you wanted. You come in, they say, oh, you got, you know, this. I said, yes, over here, you got that, you know. But Bob, Bob. Single reeds. Uh, I had a, a, a French horn. Uh, Bob, Bob, you're missing one thing, though. I haven't heard you say bass. Uh, the bass. The bass is out here in the other room. Okay, okay. When did uh, you get a bass? When, when we lived in Chicago, uh, well, I was playing cello. I got to play cello uh, at a certain point. I uh, was out in... You know Jack Wright, he was, he was on your show. Absolutely, great kid. Yeah, uh, he, he came to Detroit one day with a dancer, and he came to this dance studio and uh, started playing with this dancer, and I said, shit, that's how you're supposed to play the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> and so we became great friends after that and toured and played a lot. And I was out at, at, a, at a weekend uh uh, session at his place in Boulder, and and there was this punk cello player there, and uh, and I said, ah, oh, I got to play the cello. So I went back to Detroit, and I I knew a guy who owned three cellos that he didn't play. So he sold me one of them. And I started to play cello, and and uh, and then we were in Chicago. Every time we moved, we moved five times in 10 years in Chicago. And every time we'd move, I'd go out and rent a bass. And I'd play the bass for, you know, two or three months. And finally, uh, in San Francisco, I decided to buy a bass from this cat on San Pablo Avenue on the, in the East Bay. Uh, uh, a guy, kind of crazy Chinese guy who brought in the instruments from China. He invented... Uh, Trumpets that you play two notes at once, play in harmony, and Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah, I lost you that time. So in the meantime, I played some music, some more uh, double double quartet, uh, double once. And then we had uh, brand new Gomes of the Red Planet. That's Brother Harvey Golden, Ohio, with the Huntrio. No, Hutrio, right? That the Angel of Death. Tim Kerr after that with them titled something he just did in his pad, and I thought was righteous. Swarm of Flies, brand new. Wendigo. Uh, Kiwi Jr., brand new, undecided voters. Hands Rotten with Understand from Switzerland. The Doppler Shift, number two from Bomas Prendon. And finally, final 511A, Emergency String, X-Tet. All right. What, 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 what is this Proj, Emergency String, X-Tet? Well, I was playing cello, and uh, I played violin too, uh, but the cello was my main squeeze for a long time because it's such a beautiful instrument and it gave me my voice back i was ashamed of my voice since childhood i guess since grade school uh but the cello singing with the cello and the cello was about the size of a body you know it was really human size so i was playing cello and in, in, in chicago uh, this guy moved in fred lomberg home and uh he played cello he's a cello player and I said, oh, you know, it would be great to play some string quartet music. Well, I, I never went to school for to music school, you know, so. Uh, and he said, oh, yeah. So like a month later, he said, okay, well, we got this phenomenal string quartet. It was uh, two violins and two cellos. And uh, uh, so I started to play this improvisational string quartet stuff, and it was such a gas. And it uh, fell apart after a year or two. So I felt that the lack of improvised uh, string quartet music was an emergency. Uh, I've reached emergency proportions for me. So I had to go, I had to gather uh, the emergency string quartet. Okay. <laughs> and it began in Chicago and continued then when he moved to San Francisco and then I had a lot of trouble always getting like four people to stay together you know for a long time sure so I decided to call it the X tet I would never know how many people would be at a certain gig right. until I found out who was available and sometimes the X tet X equal two at the least and then sometimes three sometimes nine <laughs> and uh, There you are, Bob. <laughs> We're having some trouble here. I think it's on your end. You know. Yes, yes, yes it is. Okay, uh, but I've been I having to get through this, skate through this. But uh, Skype must be really super sensitive because, like, a freeze. Uh, so somehow it just drops the call right away every time there's a glitch. Here. Yeah, but uh, it's the internet connect. Like my problem is when it rains here. AT and T don't maintenance or shit, so the water gets in the the fucking wire boxes. Uh, assholes and there's no uh i got no competitors i can't choose a different isp you know a 50 years of cold war for no free enterprise okay <laughs> anyway back to your music story can, can i ask you can i yeah. can i ask you something about the bass and the cello because one is the bass is in fourths and the cello is in fifths so the, it's more dramatic maybe to play the cello well uh I don't know. I just learned to adapt to the fifths, and uh, now with the five-string bass, I'm using 
I was doing a, a different type of tuning with that so that I would have a, I could get a chromatic run going up the uh, strings easily. See, there was a certain point that, that in, when I was playing ragas, uh, uh, somebody told me in, who was studying in the Ali Akbar Khan School of Music there by, in Marin County, they said, uh, they said that the, the raga, the first most important note, which is usually the, uh, the tonic, the sambadi, and the second most important note are like the king and ruler of the raga. And all the other notes in the raga are the people that they rule over. And you can let in like a, the enemy, uh, which is a note that's not in the raga at all, or the foreigners, but if they're carefully watched over by the uh, king and ruler, so at one point I began to, was also thinking about 12 tone stuff. And I said, well, how about if all notes were equal? And what about all the notes between the notes and all the sounds that aren't notes at all? And so I began to include everything in my music and the, uh, the cello has such a huge, wonderful color. Yeah, big range too, big range. From the, from the highest to the uh, overtones and, uh, and then the bass has that too. Uh, and the thing that I love about the bass is it resonates so deeply inside my body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and feel, that, you that feel is, it uh, more than you hear it. Yeah, it's, it's a, just a, uh, something I needed to connect with <clears throat> intimately. That's why I got that the, uh, upright bass, five string. And then later I got a uh, six string electric fretless. So uh, the low end and uh, anyhow, I just, uh, uh, the bass I, I really love uh, and I had to leave it behind when we moved from San Francisco uh, for a year or two, and I had then I had to take a train to get it because uh, we didn't have a car it would fit in, and I had to buy a seat for it on the train <laughs> and take it back. It's it's a full size base. Sure, it? sure. Oh, you it's mean it's a, not like the it's U.S. A three quarter. It's full. Oh uh, yeah, I, I should tell the listeners this. People, our jazz guys play three quarter stand ups. The the thing in Europe, the full scale. They're they're only forty one inch. The full scale is like I don't know forty four or something like that. It's huge. Yeah, it's big, big, big. And this is this had, but it's the only one this guy had. He had some three quarters, and its tone wasn't good. This one had the tone. This one had that deep resonance that was right for me. So I couldn't get by with anything smaller. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's all right. Look, I got to tell you, Bob. We're at the end of the first hour. January 14, 2021, an additional Watt for Pedro Show. Special guest, Bob Marsh. Hold tight for hour two. January 14, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
truth has grown bolder. Wicked are sharpening their tools. The torrent of lies that they spew every day has created an army of fools. They'll say what they're supposed to, believe what they're shown. They'll get all worked up, don't you know? Hate who they're told to hate. Go to war, won't hesitate. All to maintain status quo. But it's time to shake off illusion as to who's the real enemy. Should. Bye. 
for Pedro show start off the second hour 50d from the msz trio then should be no confusion from sam bennett out of tokyo emergency string uh x10 again with window door river bob tell me about this 50d and msz trio that's uh for the uh marsh uh saula and zarang trio and the 50 is uh, for my 50th birthday, Blaise Saula, who somebody played a lot with in Detroit, uh, and he went off to Europe and then wound up back in New York, and I went off to, to San Francisco, first to Chicago. Well, I was in Chicago then on my 50th birthday, and he flew to Chicago to celebrate, and we did this recording with a very nice uh, Steinway Grand Piano and this really good recording studio. And Michael Zarang is a fabulous percussionist, uh, amazing guy. Uh, and uh, so we recorded there. And so that's the, what the 50 is for, my 50th birthday. And that was, guess what, 27 years ago. So uh, <laughs> 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 anyhow, uh, I thought this represented a time uh, for me playing. I played a lot of uh, music with Blaze and in Detroit. And then when he moved to New York and we had this toy store in Chicago, I'd go to New York to buy toys uh, once a year, sometimes twice. I'd go for the gift show later on. And so when I was there in New York, we would all do some playing around and recording and things like that. So it, uh, we've been. Uh, together for many years, so he came with that, and it was really uh, a good piano and a good time uh, to play with, uh, with that trio. Uh, okay, I want to play something interesting here. Dr. Bob, something from Dr. Bob. Listen. 
dark psychological evaluation begin. It's like dancing at home on broken umbrellas. It's like casting forward one's hope on the rising discourse of sparrows. It's like excavating forgotten treasures and being somewhat inclined to jeté across the ancient temple floors. Insert desired outcome here. Resting, reading, inducing dreams of acting bravely in the face of frenzied frogs. At what cost? At what cost? At what cost? Repeat four times. Bridge the gap. Bridge the gap. Bridge the gap. Bridge the gap. Mediocre Chinese acrobats pass the evolutionary buck. But at what cost? Automatic mechanical seesaws operate on the playground. No children needed, but at what cost? Look, but at what cost? Listen, look, but at what cost? Listen, look, listen, look. Our corner store, La Bodega, is built on the remains of an extinct volcano. I go there every day, and they always say, Ya hace mucho tiempo en que no te hemos visto. Entrate, siéntate, disfrutate. Pero cuídate bien. Which is like... Long time no see. Come on in and sit down. Have fun, but watch out. Large birds are falling from the sky. Ladders are also falling from the wall. Reverse is actually just as true. 
overarching telecommunications. Create subdivisions in the world, but at what cost? At what cost? Look. Listen. Softly, softly.
สอดทุกคนนะจัดชอนฮะตัวบอลเซสตันปัดสายจักจักจักคนเดียวฟอนตัวบุชิสายตายสอดWow, from Pedro Show, started that chunk of music out with Dr. Bob doing look slash listen, then Leyden jars out of England with Morski Oko,、uh, Transidio Cretaceous Insect Festival. I think it's DC area. Oops, look at that. We lost Bob again, but we'll get him back. Biscuit Mouth from England. It's not for everyone. And then finally, Fashimo, Massimo, <laughs> Fashiamo from Massimo, Falascone. Sorry, Massimo Falascone slash Bob Marsh. There you go, Bob. So t- tell me about Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob was this project I, I started with Dave, David Mahali from San Francisco. He had been a filmmaker, and he 
took up making music so he could make music for his own films, the kind of music he wanted to hear. He took up lap steel. He has a great ear and an incredible uh, uh, engineering and uh, uh, audio work skills. And uh, we, we began to play a lot. And, uh, and I started writing songs, uh, some of them pretty abstract, like Look, Listen. Uh, but very interesting. I mean, a surrealistic, very surrealistic. And also some with uh, uh, social commentary, like uh, chance. Is there a chance? Uh, what do you think? That, anyhow, when you hear that. That'll be next hour, Bob. Yeah. And then, and then the opera, uh, which never got published, but he really worked on it a lot. He really, in terms of Dr. Bob, uh, He's really the doctor. He takes the sounds and he spends all this time engineering and mixing. And uh, he's a perfectionist, which would drive me crazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but does he does he cue you with your uh, to your inventions? Uh, well, he you know he he just he's got a vision and he, he wants this. I had to record this over and over and over again. And I'm really a improviser. Right. Right. So, but how, I said, you know, like, well, I'm not done with the song yet. How do I know how it's going to sound the next time I do it? You know, I know <laughs> and do it the same way every time. I said, no, man, I guess I'm not really done yet with it, you know, cause right, right. I haven't discovered everything there is to discover, even though I knew, pretty much what the words were, except they might change them a little bit as I was going along, I get an inspiration, you know. And, uh, but uh, I realized when working on this stuff, listening to the things I hadn't listened to for a few years, and I said, ah, oh, man, he is the doctor, man, because he could take this stuff and doctor it up and uh, illuminate it so that it was really glistening and luminous throughout. So, uh, uh, yeah, he's, uh, it was really interesting working with him. It was sometimes real difficult, but it opened up a lot of areas for me. So, and, uh, so I'm curious, Bob, uh, there's a tension between improvised and like playing the same fucking thing the same way over and over, right? Right. And what, do you think this is a human nature thing? Well, I don't, I don't know. Some people, I guess, have to have uh, something they can rely on, whereas I rely on more like it's like jumping off a cliff. <laughs> Some people have to have a nice straight path they walk along, you know, and I've learned that jumping off a cliff is all right. <laughs> <laughs> what about at the bottom of the cliff? <laughs> well... You know, there's an old saying, Zen saying, you when you have to take the step off the hundred foot pole, it's the same sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you think philosophy is important to get at the truth of music? You know, John Coltrane said all musicians are after some kind of truth. I think so. Yeah, I think you, you, you know, there's some people who can play, you know, well trained uh, musicians, you know, symphony players. Uh, Otherwise, you know, uh, they got to play the same thing right, you know, and, uh, or, and, and uh, they hated to play contemporary music. And, and, and somebody told me that the uh, a well-known uh, 
quartet whose name I won't name, a contemporary music quartet, uh, they couldn't improvise at all. Somebody wrote a piece where they had to do some improvisation. They really didn't know what to do. So, uh, <laughs> Bob, I've run into that. Incredible musicians, but if you don't put music in front of them, they, they, yeah, they, like they don't have an instruction manual. Right, so they don't. They can't know. feel it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I tried studying classical guitar, and I really, I couldn't read very well, and I quit halfway through the Adelita when there's a just drove me crazy. When I would put, when I could uh, memorize a piece, and then I could interpret it, then I would play it however I felt, like to like a scherzo by Carulli, and I would play it how I felt it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I liked I liked the uh, most, and when I had classical piano was the uh, hand and finger exercises, because for me that was like dancing on the piano. And I could do that fast and slow and staccato and break, break it up. So I love doing these exercises more than trying to play some really crappy tune like my uh, Sweetheart's the Man in the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I can't, I can't play this. It means nothing. That, but I could love dancing. I loved the piano. And I had a I had a beautiful grand piano that I got in Chicago when I inherited a little money. I spent <laughs> fourteen thousand dollars on a piano. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> That's a chunk of change, Bob. I couldn't. I tried. I said, "Well, I, I'll try the six thousand dollar piano." It was no good. Okay. Ten thousand, no good. Twelve thousand, no good. <laughs> I went to this rebuilder. They had a 1927 Mason Hamlin double A, and it was perfect. It was beautiful. It was great, and it was fourteen thousand dollars. And I hauled it uh, five different places, and up four different places in Chicago, and then out to California, two different places in the Bay Area. Then finally, the wolf was at the door, and I had to sell it. And I got 17000 for it. Whoa! So the wolf was away from the door for a while. <laughs> the wolf was away. Went to Europe a couple times. <laughs> the wolf was away. Look, Bob, we're at the end of the second hour. January 14, 2021, the Dishwap Peter Show. Special guest, Bob Marsh. Hold tight for hour three. January 14, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt Pedro Show. there's a chance I mean any kind of a chance oh the smallest teeniest tiniest littlest chance you know the snowball in hell kind of a chance that the human race will survive might like to think so, but as for me, 
doubt it, I doubt it, I doubt it, I doubt it. There's a whole lot of greedy, violent, mean-spirited men who run this world. They're all hell-bent for destruction. Hell-bent for destruction. Hell-bent for destruction. a reasonable thing to expect Is it even right to hope for Even desirable For the human race to survive Well you might hope so But as for me I doubt it, I doubt it, I doubt it, I doubt it
For Pedro Show, we started off the third hour with Chance from Dr. Bob, then Jam Number Three. Now, live at a party in Pedro in 1993, featuring the late great Richard Derrick, and of course my buddy Crane from Idaho. You met Mike Cooper after that with Miniature Three, The Secret Opera from Dr. Bob. So we got two other Dr. Bob pieces here, people, and uh, Bob's going to enlighten us to 
the dark aspects of chance. <laughs> well, basically, it's uh, what do you think the chances are, and it's very topical uh, uh, today, uh, even more so than it was then. But what do you think the chances are that the human race will survive? Ah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> one in a hundred? Yeah. We, one in a million? But, but, but there's a, another way of putting it. Fat chance. <laughs> right. So was there that, that, is there that snowball in hell kind of chance? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I say, I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt right, it. Because right. there's too many greedy, violent, uh, self-centered men who run this world. And they're hell bent for destruction. That's the chorus. Hell right. bent for destruction. Yes, hell bent for destruction. So, because uh, I think deep down, or maybe not deep down, maybe it's superficial, but they think it, it's going to make them better men. I don't know what they think. You know, it's hard to hard to know Just, why they think they need more money and more money and more money. Uh, shit hoarders. It's just a guess, Bob. <laughs> what about the secret opera? The secret opera was a, a piece that David came up with recently, and I was talking about this the show, and he said, "Well, I've got this thing here. Did you ever hear this?" And I said, "I don't remember ever hearing it." And it was a piece he worked on. <clears throat> I guess I'd sent him some stuff. It's only voice, uh, I think, on my part. I'm not really. Uh, and so he worked on it, mixing it and remixing it and chopping it up and uh, adding uh, lap steel in there and uh, and uh, uh, so wide range of my voice in it. Uh, in a good day, I can get almost a four octave range. So uh, I uh, so come really low. To <laughs> so. It's it's a uh, it's that kind of thing that and he he just whipped up this thing and it's uh, and it was called the secret opera because I didn't I didn't know about it. nobody knew about it it was a big secret I guess but but who wrote well, now the, it's not so secret anymore who wrote the libretto <laughs> well there are no words to it yeah so because usually a, an opera means there's a libretto. Well, opera just means works, basically. It's a plural Italian, opus, or opera. Works, it just means works. Oh, uh, yeah, and you're right. Usually centers on voice. Yeah, I was talking more about the tradition than etymology, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, usually there's this libretto, right? You have a story to tell. Uh, you're not trying to be fully musical. You are being musical, though, because singing is, a, is an instrument. I'm an idiot, Bob. Look, I want to play Pueblo number five. Thank you. 
Wow, for Pedro, show last music for this edition. Pueblo number five. Bob Marsh, Michael O'Neill, Ryan Seward. Seward, I should say Seward. And then the Fabric of Time and Space from High Maya out of Ohio. And then finally, Tollum, Ringler, Wriggler, and Marsh, zero one. I, I know Tollum, a keyboard man. Uh, yeah, he's a fabulous musician, amazing, amazing guy. And a great heart, great heart. But tell me, before we get to that, tell me about Pueblo 5, this thing you did with Michael O'Neill and Ryan Seward. How did you get the hold of that at first? And then uh, uh, second. <laughs> I got it from you, Bob. No, man, it's not on, it's not on my list. Uh, so I had this, uh, Ryan Seward is a wonderful percussionist who is living uh in Boulder, well, in, first in Denver, then to Boulder, and uh, now he's moved to the East Coast, but he would come down to Pueblo a lot and play, and he was really inventive. And Mike O'Neill is from Boulder, and he would come down a couple times. We had this session, and we had a, a trio together for a while called the uh, Manly Babe Choir, which is an anagram of Michael, Bob, and Ryan. If you uh, shuffle all the letters together there are certain ways that'll come out uh, well through a computer program we had the manly babe choir and uh so this is a one of our rehearsals and uh i was trying out a lot of different stuff in this and uh, uh and sort of getting to know them and getting the way way around you know how are we going to get around and uh with each other and so it's a very exploratory piece, and it's named after uh, one of the uh, iron foundries in Pueblo that's no longer functioning, but uh, Pueblo was the, known as the Steel City. It made all the rails for the railroads in the, in the West, and all the railroad cars came from Pueblo, uh, which is history now. So Probably cleaner air because of that, too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Tollum, I know this is part of his little traveling, uh, like kind of tour where he just plays with people, right? Right. And we, uh, this was uh, from our uh, house concert, and Jane Riggler, who is uh, a most amazing flute player, and Piccolo, who has uh, an incredible range. She plays some really super difficult uh, uh, contemporary pieces, and uh, she lives in Colorado Springs and teaches at the uh, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, and she's an amazing player. And so uh, she's uh, in Tallinn is amazing as well. So I'm very uh, honored to play with such people. I wish I could do it more often, <laughs> but. Uh, it's uh yeah now this was the first time you played with them right with tom yeah because you were saying that with uh, michael and ryan it was exploratory so i'm wondering if this piece too well it's the first time we played in that trio i played with tom in uh the bay area and i played with him and that's right he lived in pacifica for a while yeah, and then then here he was coming on. He when every time he'd start a tour, he'd be coming up I twenty five from New Mexico. He lived in Berkey, right? Yeah, 
so he would uh, he would come uh, stop in Pueblo and we'd do something in Pueblo, frequently with Angela that involved video, and uh, then he either play in Colorado Springs or Denver, whatever, and come back later maybe. And so he was he was a frequent visitor uh, <coughs> in terms of you know maybe once or twice a year not frequently. He is always on tour. Well, maybe not now, but. A lot of his life. Where, do you have a website, Bob? My website is very out of date, but it's very pretty. Uh, and that's uh, bobmarsh.net. I should tell people, B-O-B-M-A-R-S-H dot N-E-T. And also, I'm now beginning to populate my Bandcamp uh, site, which is bobmarsh.bandcamp.com. So, uh, you know what, Bob? I think that's where I got that piece of music. <laughs> I've been to that site and it's beautiful. I love it. I mean, I love the way that music for you has got a certain kind of purity. And you don't care about genre or style or bullshit like that. Uh, well, that's true. I mean, I'll do... Uh a song if if I have to and uh, usually I tend towards a more abstract but uh, <clears throat> I do what I feel I have to do I guess it's sort of in some ways it's not up to me <laughs> it's alright it's up to the cliff I've jumped off of that's right there's something there that, that calls me to do it nowadays I'm playing a lot well, not so much in the winter because it's in the garage. It's a, I'm playing a four foot wide by six foot long uh, piece of uh, stainless steel, 16 gauge stainless steel metal that's suspended on four near the four corners on two play balls and, and bowls. And I push things across it and make sounds out of it. It's like a gong, like a like a rectangular gong, and it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very uh, interesting instrument. Uh, there is a category of such instruments, but uh, uh, that that's something I really enjoy playing, dive into, and uh, 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 because of its unpredictability and also the uh, range of sounds that are possible. There's no other way to get such a range of sounds. That's beautiful. I would love to have you on the show again down the road because you're on a journey, man, and you're exploring stuff, and uh, you're a pioneer for the rest of us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, truly. Oh, it's been wonderful. Okay, people. It's been the January. Thank you again, Bob, and keep on keeping on. I love you, man. People, it's been January 14, 2021, in Dishwap, Peter. So keep your powder dry.